Dr. Smith leaned over to me and said, uh, I'm glad I'm not preaching now. I thought that's what you said. You should be able to preach now. Yeah, oh, he said I should be able to preach now. I just, maybe I was thinking that. <laughs> uh, we do want to welcome Dr. Melissa Davies uh, to, uh, to Tyndale and how, how thrilled we are to have her on the faculty of the university. Uh, she's a well-known singer. Um, I remember talking to her one time and she was on their way to Thunder Bay to sing with the Philharmonic there. Um, she has a vision and a call to this place uh, in building our new music program, right now a minor. But she, uh, she also, I think we're going to have you sing a lot. <laughs> and we also want to welcome uh, Dr. Nathaniel Zhang, uh, from, he was over here in the Business and International Development, who has also joined us. You can clap for them both. Is that it? Nathaniel has come via the World Bank and Switzerland and the UK and Cameroon and we're thrilled to have uh, his experience. <laughs> Commencement Chapel is, uh, is where it all comes together supposedly. This, this, it's incoming first students for the university and the seminary join all the returning students, the Bachelor of Education teacher candidates who began in August and those of you who began your programs in spring and summer semester. And this is meant to be this time of convergence when we all come together and we, we kind of just for a moment pause and think about what we're about to do or what we've been doing. It represents for me this time of anticipation where promise and hope come together for just a moment and you as students look forward to what is before you. It's particularly exciting because we are here finally. Because we're finally in this place. We finally don't have to say next year, next year, next year. Ask the second, third and fourth year students what that felt like. You have come to a place called Tyndale. It's a place where the idea of intellectual, spiritual, emotional, and relational formation is taken seriously. We challenge you to think, to stretch your ability, to analyze, and to critically reflect not just the to on the topic that is at hand, but about the world that you live in. We will call you to a life of character and foundational virtues. With the Apostle Paul, we will cry, sisters and brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We will challenge you. A Christian university and a missionally shaped seminary has at its roots the developing of the mind, the forming of the soul, and the nurturing of deep character. 
Our scholarship is about teaching, informing you to think critically about our world, not simply to point out what is wrong, but to enter into it and be a part of its transformation. Developing character and spiritual formation are emphasized not simply for your own personal development, but for the salt and light that you are being called to in the worlds in which you will live in the future. This place called Tyndale has a long foundational history and tradition. In fact, it's one of the oldest educational institutions in Toronto because it began in 1894. It's framed around the rich diversity of an evangelical Christian faith. It's a place where we come with the commitment to the idea that the person of Jesus, this person of the cross and the resurrection, this person must be encountered. It's a place where there are many books, but a place in which one book is foundational and critical to everything that we do. This Bible and the symbolism of this chapel sitting over the library is so critical for us. It is a place with profound purpose because from its birth in 1894, we have always held passionately and deeply to the idea that we have a purpose, we have a mission in the world. In other words, the core of our history is held to the idea that it is not just enough to hold the truth, that one must act on it you will sometimes feel a dissonance while you are here. You will unpack the realities of life and culture, brokenness and pain, hopelessness and despair. And this will challenge you because at the same time, you will know because of this faithful learning community that it does not need to be this way. There's a not yetness, a not quite the way it should be. Therefore, there's a hopefulness that things can be different, and that will be shared with you as well. And hopefully, you will grasp enough of that to know that you can make a difference, not just when you leave, but even now. The writer of Isaiah in chapter 2 captures the essence of, of what we hope that you will capture. In the first verses, he points to this hopeful future. It's captured in the idea of the law of the Lord bearing fruit and sword being turned in, swords being turned into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. And it ends with, this is my paraphrase, come on you guys, men and women of God, walk in the light. But he contrasts that call to walking in the light with verses 6 to 9. It's this idea, it's almost as if he's addressing God. It's, it's this idea that God has left them, but in fact, they have left God. And instead of seeing others as important, the people of Israel have lost a sense, not just of God, but of the other, and they see only themselves. In verse 6, Isaiah says they are entrapped with spirituality and religion that is disconnected from God. It's just a superstitious journey of me. They no longer have a passion for God. Look at Revelation chapter 2. 
that was read this morning. They've lost this first love, the sense of God, and because of that, they have lost all perspective. I've always loved that G.K. Chesterton quote, and people cease to believe in God, they do not believe in nothing. They will believe in anything. In verse 7 it says, they become filled with the idea of money. This is a society that has become driven by, a, by commodity accumulation. And things increasingly, lives become unsatisfied because there's never enough. In fact, Isaiah says, there's no end to their treasures. Never enough. And others, people, get lost in the accumulation. It says it's filled with chariots and horses. Means, he means armaments and instruments of war. That becomes the things that consume them in their insecurity. We need more of these kind of materials to match our increasing greed and our increasing sense of anxiety that it might be taken away from us. And as a result, injustice increases. Instruments of war and violence keep the disadvantaged from keeping their share, but when the disadvantaged get power, then they become the oppressors. In verse 8, he describes they have become filled with idols. We worship what we made ourselves, he says. They bow down. Isn't that a fascinating image? They bow down. They've lost any perspective of God and something bigger than themselves. And as a result, he says in verse 9, people are humbled and everyone, everyone is brought low. People are emptied. Society becomes hollow. Fears run rampant. Idols can't forgive, you see. Idols can't forgive, and neither can they sustain and nurture life. Instead, they nurture fear. Doesn't this sound strangely like the times that we're in? I've been watching the refugee crisis in Europe, which has become this profound example of this Isaiah passage, this sadness of the thousands of refugees flooding into Europe. The media at first wanted to call them migrants, interestingly enough, as if they were simply a nomadic people, not refugees, fleeing profound violence. But their journey has portrayed the deep evil and sinfulness that is inside of humanity, this blatant racism and this blatant brokenness. The sadness for me is that this racism, this refugee tsunami, I should say, has caused people to take notice of something at this particular moment that has been going on for decades in this world. I have spent, I sit on the board of a, of a, of a seminary in Beirut, Lebanon, and I've seen two million refugees from Syria and where they're living. I've been in their camps. This has been going on for years. And just now with the media and with this now coming into our backyard, Europe, all of a sudden, we are concerned for these people. It's sadness for me. Because for a moment, we'll show compassion. But what happens when it's no longer on the news? But this is how it works. In a world devoid of responsibility for others and empty 
without God. Doesn't that sound familiar? It's no wonder that Isaiah begins with this cry, come on, come on people, come on people of God. Men and women, sisters and brothers, walk with God and in the light. The Austrian-British philosopher Karl Popper in one of his more lucid moments wrote, the ideal is not the impossible task of making heaven on earth, but it's instead to make life a little less terrible and a little less unjust in each generation. Ultimately, it begins with people like you and me who choose to live truthfully in the light of the Lord God, as it says in verse 5. It begins with you. And in the next few years, as you are shaped to vocation and calling, some of you to be teachers, some of you to be lawyers, some of you to be professors, some of you to be counselors or psychologists and social workers, some of you who will be working in the business world, others to be in vocational ministry within the church and other Christian organizations, and still others of you exploring possibilities in science and music. Our job as a university and a seminary is to equip and to teach you in such a way that you become more effective people in the light of whatever you do. People of the light. People of the light who make a difference rise from unlikely places. Rarely are they official, rarely are they visible heroes, but more often or not, they're ordinary people who refuse to sit any longer while darkness works its way in the world. They become obvious to you. Some of them are the most obvious. You see the Billy Grahams, the Gandhis, the Kings, the Tutus, but if you look beyond the obvious, you see others. It's a group of farmers on Saska in Saskatchewan who concerned about the scarcity of food in places and as Christian farmers decide they're gonna make a difference and they put aside a piece of land and they grow wheat and they sell it and they give that to the Canadian Food Grains Bank so that they can buy wheat in other places. And I sat with a group of them one time as they described one of the events that they had, had to decide on. It was, it was a bad week for the harvest, but there was one particular good day. And they had a choice of harvesting their own crops or harvesting the crops that they'd put aside for the Canadian Food Grains Bank. They chose that one. The next day it snowed and blizzarded and they lost thousands of dollars. But they were laughing because they knew they had been walking in the light. It's Christian young adults moving into the downtown of Toronto, realizing that this is a place that is in deep need of God's love, and they call themselves the move-in movement. It's church planters entering some of the most difficult areas in this city and making a difference. It's our own Jesse James. I still love that name. working through Youth Unlimited in North York with youth and young adults. And it's so many other people. All people saying, it does not have to be this way. People like you and me, odd, unexpected people, empowered people who have the potential 
to being makers of shalom, purveyors of grace and life because we have been loved by God in such a way that we are secure enough to see others as more important than ourselves. Tyndale's twofold mission is both educational and transformational and it's focused to that end. When you graduate, it's not just the accomplishment of an educational process, but it's a call to live a revolutionary journey of difference. To live responsibly as people of the light, absolutely sold out to the idea of what it might be in the light of God's call on our lives. By the way, our alumni will show you the way. It just didn't happen when we decided to become a university, as might, some might think, it didn't just happen when we became that university. This has been happening for 120 years. In its simplest form, this is the simplicity of our faith. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Ellen Jones, the Dean of the Anglican Cathedral in San Francisco, says that the first question that God will ask when we get to heaven is this. Where are the others? You have an administrative staff here that could have found vocation in places where they would have made a lot more money. But they want to make a difference here. There are professors and faculty who have chosen this particular place and heard a particular call to be here so that they can make a difference. You will meet campus operations and people that are fixing your toilets, that are cleaning your, your areas, repairing the places that are broken because they want to be people of the light. And it is much more difficult to be a Christian university and seminary. It is actually more difficult even to be a student in this kind of place. The simple fact is that by coming here, it is no longer simply about you and you getting an education. It's also about calling. It's also about us calling you and God calling you to be people of light, to allow a growing faithfulness to Jesus as it opens your eyes to see others in such a way that you wish what is best for them, what is fairest for them, which is most hopeful for them, which is most just for the other. When God says of the homeless alcoholic, I love that one, I don't want that one lost, we as God's people must try to see his point. When he says of the student next to you struggling with something that comes so easy to you, I do not want that one missed. You try to come alongside that pe person because this is the way of the light. Where are the others? This is the way of the promise for you who have come to study here. We want you to become revolutionary people, able to think and to reflect critically about your world and the things you are learning. But we also want you to become a movement of faithful people who decide to live differently as people in the world, which seeks too often to live only for themselves. 
no matter what your occupation is. Each day of your education here will begin with a choice. Are you open? Are you open to growing and learning and allowing your mind to be stretched? And are you willing to see more and more deeply into the promise that God's love for us is ultimately an astonishment that he calls us to love others as much as ourselves? So when God asks, where are the others? Our lives are so full of them that we understand the question that he asks. Students, welcome to the journey and welcome to the Tyndale experience, a place that wants to shape the people that shape the world. Amen.